I'm always grateful for the opportunity to preach at this church. If I haven't met you, my name is Andrew Chapman. I am a member here at Covenant, and this is my church home where I've been attending for a number of years. And so preaching here is always a, a special opportunity uh, for me. So my thanks again to the pastoral staff at Covenant for sharing the pulpit with me and encouraging me to continue to explore what I believe is God's call on my life. Today we celebrate a day known as Pentecost. In the New Testament, the word Pentecost was the Greek name for a Jewish festival, specifically uh, the Festival of Weeks. In Austin, Texas, right now, our festivals tend to center around football and live music, but in first century Jerusalem, it was a little bit different. The, the Feast of Weeks was a festival centered around agriculture and abundant produce and Jewish ritual. Due to this significant festival, people from the entire region would come to Jerusalem in pilgrimage. Many different cultures were, were represented and many different languages would have been spoken. In today's scripture reading, this particular Pentecost, this particular festival this year, had one more layer of complexity to it for the man known as Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth had recently been crucified and according to some, he had risen from the dead and was alive and had ascended into heaven. This is the context for today's reading. So let us turn to the scripture where we catch up with Jesus' disciples. But first, would you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word. Prepare us to receive truth from you, that you would move Holy Spirit suddenly and mightily in our hearts and minds and that we would not be unchanged. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one, hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, that is the closest followers of Jesus, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, 
they are filled with new wine. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two scenes are described here in the text that we read. The setting for the first scene, which we might call scene A, is a room inside a house in the city of Jerusalem. Again, Jesus' body had already ascended into heaven, so Jesus is not with them any longer. But the closest followers of Jesus remained together in this place. It's likely that it was about 120 people together in this room, and so it must have been a relatively large room and a relatively large house. Now, this represents the grassroots beginning of the first community of believers or the first church. No steeples, no institution, no denomination, but a house church, a group of believers united in Jesus who gathered together in someone's home for the purpose of mutual benefit, of fellowship, of breaking bread together, of worship and prayer and journeying through life together, sharing all things in common. And then something interesting happens. Suddenly, it says, something arrives. It's a sound, and the sound sounds like wind. So apparently they did not feel wind, it was just a sound like wind, a sound like hurricane level wind. In West Texas, where I grew up, wind was a part of life, and you really needed to carry a comb and maybe a, a mirror with you because no matter how much hairspray you put in your hair, the, really, the wind didn't care, the wind was not impressed. Um, one evening in my youth, I was playing a Little League baseball game, and everything was peaceful and calm, and I remember all of a sudden, a furious windstorm whipped up out of nowhere. Visibility was reduced to zero. Instantly, everyone retreated into their cars. We didn't have to talk about anything. We all knew the game was over. The wind had shown up, and the wind was victorious. So imagine the, the loudest and most powerful wind you've ever heard, and then imagine being in the midst of it, but not a hair on your head moves. You're only hearing the violent wind. You aren't feeling it. So that's what's happening here. There was a sound like wind, and it filled the room, and it took over the scene. Luke, who was the author of the book, tells us almost immediately what he's trying to describe it's the arrival of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The community was actually expecting the Holy Spirit. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells them that after he is gone, they will be clothed with power from on high. And in Acts, 8, in Acts 1, 8, <clears throat> he promises that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And so even though they were expecting the Holy Spirit, no one expected the Spirit would do this. So in addition to the sound of wind, we are told that tongues as of fire appeared. The language being used is that of analogy. The sound was like a mighty rushing wind and tongues as of fire appeared. As is so often the case whenever scripture defines a, an appearance of God, we are left with human language, the best that we can do to describe what God is like. And so we have to use analogies, comparisons. It's as tongues of fire, like wind, for God is holy. 
completely other and unique from us. Tongues more than likely refers to languages than it does to the physical body part, but, and I envision something like clouds of fire that are filled with words, like a word image that you see online sometimes where just a bunch of words are together, but there's flames coming off them and they're circling around the room. In the fullness of time, this amazing piece of history was taking place, and it was sudden and abrupt and obvious. This is one way that the Spirit continues to move in our world today, but it is certainly not the only way. God's mighty works can be sudden and immediate, but they can also be quiet and steady. Earlier in my life, I reached a point where I devoted myself to following Jesus. I committed my life to Christ, to live as a disciple of his. And soon after, over 15 years ago, I began to sense what I still believe was the Spirit moving in me with a call, a leaning, an interest, a yearning to pursue pastoral ordination. I did not receive a sudden and obvious message in ways that other people have and continue to do. One of my mentors, for example, heard the call from God uh, in a voice, in a, in a question, three words, why not you? And he knew at that moment that it was his call into the ministry. But for me, it was subtle. Subtle enough that I did not act upon it immediately. I ended up pursuing other professional goals, and I was at peace with this. But still, that call to the ministry remained. It was a call that never went away. And then, suddenly, the Spirit moved with power. After several years of employment in construction, I experienced a layoff in the late 2000s, and suddenly I was thrust into a season of unemployment with questions and doubts, but I also believed that something bigger was going on. I believed that God was calling me, that, that calling that had been there, that had never gone away. It was time to do something about it. And I did hear a word. The word was go, and I knew what it meant. So I started the process of pursuing pastoral ordination in the Presbyterian Church, it was a multi-year commitment, a large investment of time and resources, and an overwhelming challenge. But with the support of the church, our presbytery, my family, and more mentors than I can name here, I enrolled in 2009 at Austin Seminary and graduated in 2013. So I had gone to, to UT for undergrad and went to Austin Seminary for um, my graduate studies, and by the time that I was done, I had learned how to preach Longhorn sermons. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of Longhorn sermons before. They have two points on the end and a whole lot of bull in the middle. <laughs> throughout my education, throughout the long and multi-year process, I felt the Spirit guiding me, confirming the call over and over again. There were also times of confusion. The whole thing has been a, a long process with 
step after step, often years at a time where I knew what I needed to be doing. And there were times whenever I would come to the next step in the process and it didn't happen the way that we thought it was going to. I felt God may have gone silent or did a, did a delay happen? Did I, did I, am I doing the right thing? Did God still want me to do this? Has God's call changed for me? I tell you my story to testify to the mighty works of God, to the power of the Holy Spirit, that sometimes God's mighty deeds are overwhelming and overt, and other times they can be less obvious and even hard to understand, but they are mighty nonetheless because of who they are sent from. As followers of Jesus, as disciples, as daughters and sons of the living God, the invitation that has been extended to us is to trust God. In those times where it feels that God is not moving suddenly in our lives, where perhaps it feels that God has gone silent, that we don't let go. Because God can move suddenly again, and God will move suddenly again. That God's work in you and in me is not yet finished that God is not through redeeming the creation. Despite what humans do to each other and despite the news and despite the challenges and fears and anxieties that we face every day, that God has not completed God's work. God will continue to move suddenly, powerfully, peacefully and quietly and anywhere in between. So we've looked at scene A, verses 1 through 4, the, the sound of the rushing wind, languages uh, as of fire swirling in a room of early Christians, the arrival of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus, and now the second scene, scene B, verses 5 through 13. A large crowd is nearby. They hear something. They are separated from the, the group, the, the, the early Christians in this room. They're in a separate location but the sound is unmistakable and they can't help but be drawn to it, attracted to it. It says that they were devout Jewish people, people of faith from all over the known world, from areas in present-day Iraq and Turkey and Greece and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, gathered here in Jerusalem, some living there, others visiting for the festival. They can tell that something is happening. The languages spoken were recognizable to them. It wasn't useless babble. It was vernacular. The Spirit was empowering individuals to speak in ways that had meaning, that carried a message. What could they possibly be saying? It does not go into explicit detail about what each individual person is saying, but that is not necessary to convey to us the sum of what they are saying, the wholeness of what they are saying. Though they are speaking it in different languages at different times, not really to each other, just speaking in one voice, they are claim, proclaiming one message, the mighty works of God. The NRSV translates it as God's deeds of power. Others call it the wonders of God, the mighty deeds of God. God's mighty works, God's wonderful works. What exactly are these disciples saying in their different languages? 
They're talking about God and about what God has done and about how powerful God is and about the strength of God and the wonderful things that God has done and will continue to do. God is not powerless. God is not weak. The work that God does is not useless. It is powerful and robust and strong, and God is not defeated. Some, I'm sure, were speaking about God's mighty works that had already taken place, but others, I feel, were prophesying about God's mighty works that were yet to come. And just maybe one of them or two of them were saying a word about a ministry that you and I can participate in all these years later. It's an amazing event. In response, the devout Jewish people who witnessed this event had two different reactions, two very different reactions. All were amazed and perplexed and bewildered and astonished, but some were cynical. This isn't anything special, they said. This is just what happens whenever, they, whenever you drink too much wine. What should our posture be in response to this event? Well, we always have the opportunity to respond to God with cynicism. And I feel that we keep getting better and better at this as time goes on and that there is almost nothing that we can't dismiss with a simple shrug of the shoulders, but that's not what God is calling us to do. In response, we are invited to participate in the work that God is already doing. We are invited to behold the mighty works of God, to look, to see what God is doing in our midst and beyond, to participate with others in the life of faith, to join the journey as followers of Jesus. A 20th century evangelist once, evangelist once said, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. May God grant you lives of combustion, lives that are bursting with the Spirit. May the Spirit sustain you all the days of your life, suddenly, quietly, everywhere in between, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful for you and for your sending of Jesus and your sending of the Holy Spirit to be in our midst. Thank you for what the Spirit has done and continues to do, and I pray that we would listen. I pray that we would hear your call, that you would use us to do mighty works in this world, in our families and places of employment and education and everywhere we go, Lord, would you empower us with power from the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.